This is a, a design for our new Christmas series, uh, What to Expect When You're Expecting. Uh, and if, if you have ever been pregnant before, you might have read a book with the same title. And uh, <laughs> the cover is based off of that. And so I just, you know, I'm slightly apologetic for the fact that it looks like this. Uh, I, I had to design it. But I'm, I'm not sorry at the same time because it's, it's, it's cheesy and it's great and we love it and it's going to work great for our series. <laughs> and so uh, uh, we're, we're going to be doing a Christmas series. And as you know from the Christmas story, there are, I mean, there's at least one pregnancy that's a really big deal. And there, there's another one that we're going to hear a little bit about today. Uh, and what we want to do with this series is to look at our expectations on Christmas uh, and look at our expectations on God and see what to expect when we're expecting. And we, we really want to reclaim the wonder of Christmas, like it says on the bottom there. And so we're going to be, we're going to be in a Christmas text today. So if you're in Luke chapter 1, we're going to be starting at verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all of the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous." to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. That's a nice way of saying it. <laughs> the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. All right, that was our text. It was a long one. And you have probably heard this one before. Um, 
And it may sound so familiar, too. Like, you, you hear this, but it's very miraculous, and we're going we're to dig into it. And so we have a, a couple observations about the text. One, and this one kind of comes from outside the text, uh, it has been a long time. And this relates in a couple different ways. It has been a long time, because at the start of the New Testament, it has been 400 years since there has been word from God. If you go flip back to the Old Testament, you're going to hit Malachi. Um, and there hasn't been any, no, no prophets, no word from God for 400 years until we get to this point where this man gets a vision from an angel and told that something new is about to happen. And in, in this time, there, it's, it's just been, it's been so long. And the Israelites have been taken over uh, multiple times. I mean, there, there's the Babylonians and the Assyrians, and then the Greeks. Uh, they've been taken over so many times, and there's, there's just turmoil in the land. And for so long, to not have word from God in this time, the question might be on their minds, has God forgotten Israel? What about his promise we, we have it from the prophets in, in the scriptures. They say that a Messiah will come, a Savior, or, or, or at least another prophet. 400 years is a long time to wait. Like I, when, I, when I was thinking about that earlier in the week, I, I couldn't even comprehend how long 400 years is. Like, 400 years, like, the United States isn't even 400 years old. And I can't even think about, like, the time of George Washington. Like, what? What, what even is that? <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> people wait for so many things all the time. Like uh, I, 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 the first thing that came to mind when I thought about people waiting for a long time, because I, I don't wait for very many things. I, I think about immigrants who come to the United States with with hope set in their sights going, I'm going to make a better life for my family here. And they, they come and they work hard. And the payoff comes when they see their family and they're in a home and they, maybe they, they're seeing their child graduate from college for the first time, the, the, the first of their family to graduate from college. And the kind of payoff that goes into that much time and just makes it all worth it. I mean, could you imagine living your entire life having had a promise of something and not being able to see the result. And to take it further than that, you know your father was waiting for that promise, and then his father before him. How, how would you feel? I mean, that was the whole nation of Israel at this time. The nation is waiting for something to happen for a very long time. And our characters, the, or not our characters, uh, the people in this story, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they, they've been waiting too. The, the text says they're old. They have had long lives. And Elizabeth hasn't been able to conceive a child. She's been praying for it, and her husband has been praying for it. And culturally, this was, this was a big deal for them. It was so tied to the importance of continuing your line, and even the, the, the cultural people look at them and go, Are you, have you sinned? Do you have some kind of sin in your life and God is punishing you? That was all just a burden upon her shoulders for many years. And Zechariah, I mean, he's, he's, he's old too. And he's been a priest for his whole life. Um, and being a priest 
at that time was a little bit different because there were something like 18,000 priests in Israel at the time. And so he, he's not a priest full-time because there are so many priests. He, he goes on service two times a year just for two weeks. That's it. And so he's, he's at home. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, he's got a trade probably. And you know, he's, he's not this like, superstar priest or anything like that. But when it comes time for him to go on his service, what happens is they, they cast lots, like they kind of draw straws or roll the dice to see who gets to go into the temple and to burn the incense. And this was a very special honor. And it, it only happened basically one time in a priest's life. One time. Like, you know, when, when we read this text, we might think, like, oh, he's always going in there and burning the incense. This is like a routine thing for him. But, I mean, he's been possibly waiting his entire life for this, this special moment for him to go into the temple and to burn this incense. I mean, it's like, for him, it's like winning the lottery. Um, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, it's like going to the, the Super Bowl. It's like, I've been waiting so long for this, and here's my moment. And so it, it's a big deal, and he's been waiting a long time for this too. Um, you know, I've, I've never won the lottery. Um, probably wouldn't be working if I won the lottery. <laughs> and I haven't had to wait for many things. Um, but I, I tried to think of something. What was something that I have waited for for a very long time? And I, I thought of it. Uh, my engagement. I, when I asked Kat to marry me, I had to wait for like nearly a year to actually marry her. And that's not even that long. <laughs> They're like waiting like 400 years. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm spoiled. Uh, but I, even in that time, it was like, man, I just, I, I want to be able to, to, to be with you, to live together, to, to do life together, and not like live over here and you live over here and we have to drive and go on dates. And, uh, <laughs> waiting is so lame. And so it has been a long time, and there has been a lot of waiting for the people of Israel in it leading up to this moment where God is going to break in. All right, our second observation at this text is that God is still at work. It, it is his timing that is going into this, uh, God's timing, because if it was the people's timing, it would have happened a long time ago. Uh, Galatians 4 says that we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. God has planned this since before the beginning of time. When Jesus is going to come, when God's plan for salvation is going to come to fruition, and it's at this moment. If you think back through the Bible, um, you know, all, all the different Bible stories, like the, uh, the, the Israelites spent 400 years in slavery and wandered the desert for super long, and they're in exile with the Babylonians for years and years and years, and we, we hear that, and it's just like, oh yeah, of course, 400 years. That's a long time, and that's all God's timing again and again and again, and sometimes it's longer than we would want, but God is at work. His plan is in place, and all throughout those times, we see again and again in Scripture that God hears our prayers throughout the Bible, he is a God who listens and then acts. 
And so when we come to this, this moment in the story, it's significant that Zechariah is burning incense to represent the prayers going up to God, and all these people are outside the temple, and they're praying. This, this moment where this gets announced is at a moment of prayer, and the angel even says to him, God has heard your prayers. It's been a long time, but God has heard your prayers, and now he's going to act, and it's, it's in his timing. And in the middle of God's timing, the third observation is that doubt can appear in faithful people. In verse 18, it says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. He doubts, and then he gets muted, muted for it. <laughs> he gets punished because he, he doubted, even though the scripture says that he's a righteous man, and he's been serving for many years. He, he doubts, and he, he's punished for it. I mean, I think of so many people that have, in this church, that have prayed for things for a long time, and some of those things still haven't even been resolved. Maybe you have something that's coming to your mind right now, like, I've, I've been praying for, for weeks, I've been praying for months and years for that. And maybe the question comes to you, is, is God going to act on this? Is he going... Is he going to do something about this? Because I know that this is wrong, and I, I know God wouldn't want it this way. Is, is he going to act? And so there, there are a couple themes that, that come up as, as we read this text. Uh, the first is that God's plan breaks into the mundane and the disappointing. God's plan breaks into the mundane and the disappointing. Um, I thought it might, might even be fitting title for the sermon to, to call it What to Expect When You're Not Expecting Anything. Because, yeah, God has promised this stuff in the Old Testament that this is going to happen, but it hasn't happened for generations. Is it going to happen in my lifetime? I'm, I'm kind of not even expecting it to happen. And you have to imagine that Zechariah and Elizabeth and all the people of Israel like, they're expecting something to happen, but nothing has happened. And so they've just been going about the root, their routine and their daily life, and God still hasn't done anything. The second theme is that God's promises find fulfillment in human needs. God is at work through all this, through the waiting, through the pain, and his promises, they find their fulfillment in human need. You know, it's, it's a day like any other before God shows up. It was a day like any other, a little special for Zechariah, but it's a day like any other. And you think of the miracles that happen in the Bible. I mean, this is a miracle. You think of a blind man sitting on the side of the road begging for coins. He's been doing that for days and months and years and then he sees Jesus come up, and he doesn't see Jesus come up. <laughs> he sees him in a second, though, when Jesus cures his blindness. <laughs> All the different miracles that happen in the Bible, it's just, it's another day for them. And then God comes and acts, and he, he meets their human needs, their, their blindness, their, their barrenness. 
All, all of the things in life, all of these things like blindness and the, the miracle of, of birth, all these things point to the, to the future, to, to what God is ultimately going to do in his salvation plan. And it's, it's, it's amazing. You, you get to see Elizabeth say in verse 25, the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. God has fulfilled her need, her pain. And he hasn't done it for every barren woman in, the, in, in Israel at that time. He, he, he did it for her. And this one act that God is doing is pointing to something bigger. And it's wonderful. That's the third theme. God's promises find ultimate fulfillment in his salvation plan. And so even these, these little fulfillments, like the, the miracles that happen all throughout the Bible, the, the needs that God meets in our daily lives, they point to God's ultimate salvation plan. And he has been planning it since the Old Testament, since the beginning of time. Uh, the, the last book in the Old Testament is Malachi. And so Malachi ends... And then the New Testament begins. Uh, just to make it very clear. And this is the last verse in Malachi. It says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. He says, I will send the prophet Elijah before this happens. And then what do we see here right at the beginning of Luke? In verse 17, in chapter 1 Luke, he says, the angel Gabriel says, John, the one that Elizabeth is going to be pregnant with, he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. This is fulfillment of prophecy right here. And it's fulfilling the salvation plan of God in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, then disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is fulfillment of that prophecy. And it's coming to fruition right here, right now. It's, it's meeting the need of this, this couple that's been broken and disgraced. And it's moving forward God's salvation plan. John is going to be preparing hearts and minds for Jesus. For Jesus' coming, that's the, that's the big stuff that you know, we're going to get to in like two weeks. <laughs> and so in the midst of all this, in the midst of the waiting and the pain, we have to, I, I want to ask two questions. The first is, what happens to you as you wait? These people had to wait for so long. What happens to you as you wait? I, I was recently watching this show called Community, and it's a show about a community college. It's a comedy, like a sitcom kind of thing. And it's very funny. And in this one episode, um, very close to the beginning of the series, uh, there are, uh, all these peop- students are coming together, and they're like kind of making friends with each other. And this one girl in the friend group uh, goes to do a psychology experiment. She invites two other people in the group to come and participate in it. She's like, here, come participate in this study. And so they, the, two, the two guys, they go into the study, and then she's a part of the experiment. And what they're testing is, how long are these test subjects going to wait? Because they think that they're going to be doing something, that they're going to be part of an experiment. They don't know what it is yet. And so she goes in and tells them, 
All right, guys, we'll be with you in five minutes. Okay, great. And she goes back out. And then they're watching them on the camera. And then five minutes passes. Just five more minutes. Goes back out. Goes back in. And you see it repeat multiple times. And then there's a bunch of people in this room, and you start to see them go, go, start going crazy. It's been like eight hours, and people are, you know, it's a comedy. And so people are like freaking out, like, ah, I can't take it anymore. Um, and there's this one character uh, who, who's a little bit different on the show, and he waits in there for so long that the testers are like, what is this guy, what's wrong with him? And they start freaking out, you know, it's comedy. And she, she, she goes in finally angry at this guy who stayed there and waited the whole time and goes, why are you still here? And he goes, because you asked me to and you said that you were my friend. It was really sad. <laughs> but uh, I love the different views of waiting. You see the really like, impatient people who just like, lose it, I can't take it. And then this guy who stays faithful, he's like, yeah, I was, I was angry, but you said we were friends, and so I stayed for you. And so what happens to us when we have to, to wait for things? What happens to us when we have to wait on God? I mean, has Israel, the, the people, I'm sure it has gone through their minds, God has forgotten us. God must have forgotten us. You know, I, I, I've heard from multiple people uh, in, in this church that and it always kind of amazes me when I hear this because I, I, I'm still young. And so I've heard from some older people in this church, multiple people, I've heard them say, I have been praying for this person for 12 years, for 30 years, and I'm still doing it. And that, that always kind of blows my mind a little bit, the, the, the faithfulness and the waiting that, that goes into praying for your neighbor or for your, your, your brother for that long. You know, our, our culture is a culture that, that doesn't like to wait. <laughs> like I said earlier, I, I haven't waited for many things. Um, the on-demand culture, like I can, I can go into my DVR and I can select a show I want to watch and boop, I get to watch it. Um, and then on Amazon, we have Prime and I get uh, two-day delivery and sometimes I'm like, Two-day delivery? Why not same-day delivery? <laughs> it's the greatest. I don't know how they do it. Um, but man, like that, that is, I recognize that inside myself, that I, I'm an impatient person. I want what I want, and I want it now. And I, I know that even in myself, I have to, to cultivate patience in prayer. Like, to pray for the same thing for weeks, months, years. God, God wants to hear our prayers. We need to train ourselves in patience. And we need to ask the Spirit, the Spirit of God, to give us power, to give us the strength and for that kind of patience. God wants us to be faithful, like Elizabeth and Zechariah after so many years. You know, you know they, were, they were faithful, and they still had doubts. It's, it still comes up. That's what happens sometimes when, when you wait for a long time. But they were faithful, and then they were chosen by God. The second question, where does our pain lead us? You know, it, in, in this culture, too, we don't want to wait for things, and we want, we want to be comfortable, and so we try to avoid pain at all costs. Um, we, we seek comfort in, in our houses, in our way of living, in our jobs, in, in everything. 
But even when we're, we're seeking out that comfort, uh, we still have pain. It's still very, very real. I, I, know, I know your stories. <laughs> I know the pain that, that you feel. You know, so <laughs> sometimes when you tell somebody that you work in a church, you get really weird reactions. Um, a lot of people are like, I'm not going to cuss anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever, dude. <laughs> and uh, some people are like, oh, and then they kind of like get a little bit freaked out by it and like don't want to talk to you anymore. Uh, and then other people are like, I'm going to tell you my life story. <laughs> uh, some time ago, uh, somebody did that. Uh, I'm going to tell you my life story thing. Uh, and it, it, it was great. He, he started talking about this, this tragedy that happened in his life and how he blamed himself for it. And it, it was really painful and really vivid for him to, to recall this. And it was so interesting. In the, in the same short, relatively short conversation that we had, he talked about how he felt like uh, he could, he was f- so, sometimes felt so close to God that he's bumping elbows with Jesus, is what he said. I bump elbows with Jesus. But also, sometimes I wonder if God exists at all in, in the same conversation. And he, he talked about how that pain of that, that tragedy ultimately ended leading him closer to Jesus. And I, I thought that was so, so incredible. He, he still has doubts sometimes, but his pain still led him closer to God. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about how he has a a thorn in his flesh, something that that ails him, that brings him down, but talks about how that ultimately brings about the power of God in him. That that pain in his life brings him closer to Jesus. I have a a, a professor at at Talbot who uh, was teaching us about the kind of the ups and downs that can happen in your soul. he, he talked about how right when you become a Christian, man, it's, it's really good. Like, you're listening to sermons, and you're like, yes, that's so amazing. And you're reading the Bible, it's so great. Times of prayer are just so fruitful, and you're, you're on this upward climb. But then comes a time, and it happened for him, where he, he called it the, a, the dark night of the soul, where you go into this time of, of desolation, where, where God feels distant, where the, the sermons and the, the Bible reading and the prayer, it just it doesn't feel like... It's really like happening anymore. There's this pain that, and he said, for him, that happened to him uh, right after he got out of seminary. And then he said, and it lasted for 20 years. I, I, I can't even imagine going through that for that long, and, and yet he, he stayed faithful. He said, I, I, it was so hard for me to get anything out of prayer, to get anything out of reading the Bible, but I still did it. I, I, I still did it. I was still, still faithful. And he, he really reflected on those times and saw that God was drawing him into dependence and breaking down things in his life again and again. Seeing the, the, the autonomy that he had and just crushing that and going, you need to depend on me. You need to not depend on your intellect. You need to depend on me, is what God is saying to him again and again. Does our pain lead us 
closer to God, to recognize our dependence on him. With the many years of silence that, that the Israelites had, they, there was pain. And that pain was making a way for something great to happen. And we got to see it in this story. Because this story that we read, I mean, it's, it's really not a story of pain and a story of waiting. That, that kind of was all just background to the story. This, this, this story was a triumph. It's a, a great moment in history where God breaks in and brings about the extraordinary. And that's, that's what's happening in, in the Christmas story. And that's, that's what happens in our lives too sometimes. You know, it's just, it's the ordinary. And maybe it's been a long time. But God wants to break, break in. And so I, I want this, this Christmas season, as we look at these stories, to not just be the, the same thing again or to, to be boring, but to be extraordinary. As we look at God's plan in salvation, it's an incredible thing. 